You're listening to Trucking 101, surviving your first year with host Melissa Grimm. We'll talk about safety, managing your money, and real life out on the road. Our group has over 100 years of combined real-world driving experience. You've got questions, we've got answers. Uh, 
if you happen to find yourself with one of those high value loads or uh, a load that's uh, kind of uh, prime for uh, the pickings with the criminal element, cargo security really needs to uh, be addressed. And uh, if you find yourself loading a high value load, make sure you're fueled, you're fed, and you're showered when you go to pick the load up. Uh, most cargo thefts occur within the first two, 300 miles of loading. And quite a number of them are within the first 50 miles of loading. You know, guys will show up at a warehouse and load a load of uh, TVs or, or uh, alcohol or, or uh, you know, food is becoming quite a popular item. And then they'll whistle down to the truck stop and go have a shower and sit down and have breakfast and come back with that astonished look on their face to an empty parking spot. So make sure that you're all fed and fueled and showered and ready to go. And when you get loaded, you know, put some miles behind you. We've got eight hours to drive before we have to take a break. So most cargo thieves have a real short attention span and after a couple hours they're you know they want to go find something that's easier pickings and uh, en route make sure that uh, you know if you've got one of these high value loads if you wind up in a truck stop where uh, you know there's another uh, another one of your trucks of the fleet you know find out if that driver is going to be you know taking us 10 hours off or or uh, there for even longer, and back trailers up against each other so that nobody can uh, mess with the doors and get in and steal a freight. Um, you know, if you can't do that, uh, or you're, uh, you're at home for the, uh, for the holidays, try and back up so that that, uh, that right-hand door is up against a light pole or, or something solid so that we just want to make it very, very difficult for somebody to come in and steal the load. And, uh, you know, perishables, make sure that uh, reefers or heaters are all fueled up and and uh, ready to run unsupervised for a while. And uh, we should be set. So let's move on to cargo securement. Uh, for those of you traveling to Alberta, Canada, my old agency, somebody has lost their mind and has decided that load locks are no longer a recognized means for rearward cargo securement. They're breaking seals, they're opening trailers, and they're writing tickets. Luckily, the Alberta Motor Transport Association has kind of stepped in and put their foot down. So they, they're really looking at the cargo securement uh, way it's being enforced in Alberta and hopefully get some of these guys back to their senses because it's, uh, you know, everybody uses a load lock. Uh, so if you find yourself coming into Canada, uh, if you can, Put the uh, the cargo mats, the little rubber uh, anti-slip mats. They're a recognized form 
of cargo securement. They're actually rated. So I've got a couple of those that I uh, carry around in my uh, in my boot box. I just roll them up. And uh, last two skids, I make sure I throw a mat down under each skid, and as well as a load lock. And and I'm lucky; I've got the uh, logistics uh, track, so I can use a uh, my belts and uh, and a shoring bar. But just something to keep in mind that uh, the load lock, although they've been used for forever, is not a recognized form of cargo securement. Everybody's kind of turned a blind eye to it and accepted it, but Alberta managed to find somebody that wanted to make a big deal out of it, and so the fight is on. So, like I say, the AMTA is uh, taking this fight on, and uh, and they're addressing it, but just something to, to keep in mind. That... Uh, you know, with with weather being the way it is, and uh, the ever-changing road conditions, cargo securement is that much more important. Because if that uh, if that freight starts to move inside the box, and you're on a on a greasy or a slippery road, it's uh, it's really going to affect the handling of the vehicle. So we really got to be careful with that, and take the extra time and make sure that things. Are, uh, are properly secured before you leave the dock. Um, I've got uh, one shipper I used to deal with. Uh, fortunately, we don't uh, go there under the carrier I'm working for now. But uh, the loads were all sealed. You'd pull up to the uh, security shack before you got onto the scale. And they'd come out and break the temporary seal and verify that uh, the cargo in the trailer matched the bills and that was the only time you could get in the trailer and uh, properly secure the load well as you can imagine the truck started to line up and the security guys are getting all in a panic because you know you're taking valuable time out of his day properly securing your freight but uh you know don't don't uh you know, for our for our younger drivers, don't be intimidated and rush through this process because at the end of the day, you're the one that's you know going to face the claim if something happens to that freight. So just uh, be polite and and mindful that yeah they're they're getting in a flap, but uh, it's up to you to make sure this stuff is properly secured. So I always used to. Uh, acknowledge that yeah i'm holding things up but just give me a few more minutes so that i make sure that your freight is safe and gets delivered on time in one piece because really that's that's all our shippers are asking us to do is uh, stuff gets delivered on time damage free in one piece the uh flat deckers out there it's uh, a, a challenging time of year to uh, secure things because for those that load and unload in the uh, northern half of the state or country, the uh, cold weather really, really raises heck with uh, our uh, chains, loan binders, the uh, winches if you're using straps, 
and uh, please be very, very careful about uh, reefing down and, and snugging stuff up. You want to make sure that your footing is uh, good and stable. Your footwear is uh, biting the ground because I've seen so many guys that uh, are standing on the end of a winch bar and slip and wind up uh, either eating the pavement or the side of the trailer and it's just not a good way to get the trip started. So please be real careful because things are slippery and cold and uh, tarp straps are just deadly at this this time of year. They're very brittle and uh, you lean into them to, uh, to get a good stretch to hook and uh, yeah, that strap breaks and you're not prepared for that. You could go and take a terrible header and and wind up getting hurt. So not only is it important that uh, cargo arrives safely and damage-free, it's uh, more important that you arrive home safely and damage-free. Anybody's got anything to uh, add, please feel free to push one and chime in, and we're we're certainly uh, take your calls. The uh, refrigerated guys, uh, temperature control free. The uh, cold weather, uh, want to make sure that you got good fuel in your reefer. And uh, I always make a habit of I've got a jug of diesel 911, the red jug, uh, tucked away. If uh, if a guy winds up with some bad fuel and it's real cold out and the reefer quits, we got to get that thing running or or we've got a claim. Uh, that brings me to kind of my next point on uh, claims and cargo securement. It's a good habit to get into when you uh, pull out of the dock, you've loaded, you've got all your uh, all your securement in place. Take your smartphone and take a picture of that load. And then it's uh, your phone will capture a beautiful picture, date stamp, time stamp, and uh, we got to remember that uh, some brokers and some shippers have up to 60 days to submit a claim. So at day 50, who can remember what the inside of that trailer looked like and what the load looked like? So when I pull away from the dock, I snap a picture of the uh, the inside of the trailer with, with my securement in place seal it up, and when I get to the receiver, open the doors, snap another picture, and it just kind of helps cover my butt that everything was delivered in one piece, damage-free, and if uh, any of the product winds up scuffed or damaged, then it's a better than average chance it was the guy in the forklift taking it into and out of the trailer that, uh, that damaged it. And same thing on uh, on damaged product. Uh, I just delivered uh, my last load, and there was one case that was torn, and it was obvious that it was skewered with a forklift. Uh, take a picture of that box and uh, just hang on to it so that uh, when the claim comes in down the road, you've got something to dispute it and uh, cover your butt. 
Anybody got anything to uh, add or uh, chime in about? Well, um, the whole thing with taking a picture, um, obviously, if you pick up a sailed, a sealed uh, trailer, you wouldn't be able to take a picture of the inside of it. So those guys are pretty well off the hook if they're picking up a sealed trailer, right? Yeah. For for guys that do drop and hook, um, yeah, it's you've got zero control over that whatsoever. Um, if you do happen to get pulled into a roadside inspection and the uh, officer cuts the seal and opens the trailer up, there's your chance to add uh, securement if it's not properly secured. But uh, if you wind up delivering that load, uh, yeah, please just take a picture of it and uh, you've got kind of the after shot. You don't get the before picture, but uh, at least you've got something should there be, uh, you know, any questions uh, raised after the fact. Okay. And those, those drop, drop and hook loads really put the driver in kind of an awkward spot because, yeah, you show up in a roadside inspection and the inspector cuts the seal and opens the doors and, you know, there's nothing in there. So, you know, now you have to properly secure it before you can leave. And uh, some officers are pretty good that, yeah, you know, they kind of know who's doing dropping hooks. And and uh, some are not so good. Right. Um I need to apologize for the beginning of the show. Apparently, my mic was not live for the first uh, couple of seconds after the music came on. So there's a bit of silence, so I apologize for that Um, little technical uh, malfunction. But you were on, so that was good. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's, it's the holiday season, and things go on holidays sometimes. So all good. Okay, we actually have a question, uh, actually um, more of a comment on the line. we got David in California. He wants to chime in. He's an investigator for cargo claims. Hi, David. You're on the air. Hey, how are you? Doing good. How are you Hey, doing? great, David. Hey, doing good. Hey, I just, I'm a retired police officer, and I've been, invest- I, I do, I wear a bunch of hats. I do uh, heavy, heavy damage appraisals, so when the tractor trailer gets wrecked, I do the, the inspection and the, the photos and the estimate work with the shop to get an agreed repair price. That's one side. Then I do the investigations on stolen tractors, trailers, and cargo. I also do the overage shortage and damage claims on cargo. And I just wanted to offer some of my suggestions and my, what I see out here uh, working on behalf of the insurance companies and uh, in, in things that can uh, help drivers to, uh, to, to uh, safeguard their, what they do and make their job a little better and more secure. Absolutely. Where are you at, David? What part I'm, of California? I'm in the Los Angeles metro area. Oh, nice going. I just, uh, I'm, I'm over, uh, I load in uh, Coachella in the morning. So, yeah, I was just over there. So, yeah, please, oh, beautiful. anything, anything, uh, anything you can share that uh, we can help curb this because it's, it is a huge problem. And I, one that industry is kind of ashamed to share the true numbers and it's just staggering the amount of freight that's stolen and oh, it's uh, huge. what's reported yeah, is, yeah, you have is the, just the tip of the iceberg. The, tri- the, the triangle, which pretty much is Chicago at the top, 
L.A. at the bottom left and Miami at the bottom right. That's the big cargo theft triangle. And it, it's somewhere around $1.8 million every day. That's substantial money. It's a lot of money. And uh, a couple things to start off with. One, one thing I'd like to to do, an observation that I have that I run into all the time is, uh, someone goes out and gets their authority, they buy an old FLD-120 to Cascadia, Coronado, whatever, and they walk into uh, Julie's uh, auto truck insurance, and they say, I want to insure this truck. And the little girl says, how much do you want to insure it for? And he says, well, geez, I don't know. So what happens is these, a lot of these drivers become either overinsured or underinsured. And I know that Kevin talks about it, that, uh, that it, I've heard him talk about it in the past, that about every six months you should review your policies and make sure you're insuring your truck for the right amount because I have it happen all the time where guys get their truck stolen and their AC, you know, it works on ACV. The truck is worth 20000 but they only had it insured for twelve. Or the truck is worth, you know, 50000 they had it insured for 75000 So that's a big thing is to, to know what is the value of your truck before you go to that insurance company because a lot of times – uh, sometimes a girl on the other side of the counter or guy knows exactly what they're doing, but a lot of times they don't, and you can be overpaying or pay, paying for less da- less uh, uh, coverage than, than, you, than you, you need. So that, that's a big one I see all the time. Well, and, and, yeah, that's a surprise we could sure do without because, yeah, there's nothing worse than finding out you don't have enough insurance because now what do you do? Exactly. And, and the other thing, too, is, this is my big pet peeve is, is first of all, a lot of, a lot of guys, and I, I say this, I've been saying this for years, truck drivers are the hardest working guys out there. I mean, and, and if it wasn't for the truck driving men and women out there, this country would shut down. I agree with that. And, and I couldn't do the job. I, I, I just couldn't do it. So my hat's off to all of them because they'd have a, have a, a tremendous responsibility and they work their butts off and, and, and I, I couldn't do the job. But when, when you buy a cargo policy, a lot of people, they just, oh, I've got cargo policy, and what's the, what's the standard? $100,000 policy, $1,000 deductible. That's pretty much standard across the board. And so everybody thinks that, okay, I'm good. Well, what happens when you get that cargo load that's a $130,000 cargo load or one hundred and fifty or $200,000? Um, a lot of times your insurance company is not going to cover that load, or obviously they just might cover up to that 100000 unless you're deductible. But you have to know the exclusions in the policy. One of the companies I've done work for for years has an exclusion that says, and it's called an unattended vehicle endorsement. If that, you, you have cargo in your trailer and you leave it parked and unattended in an unsecured location for more than 60 minutes, one hour, you now have no cargo coverage. And uh, that's huge because I see guys all the time. I, I can't tell you how many times I've investigated. They pick up TVs at Verizon and Torrance, a whole truckload of TVs, or Monster Energy drinks in, 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 uh, down there in Corona. And then they go park it because they're going to Texas. But So it's Friday. They park it, and they come back Sunday morning to get their truck, and guess what? It's gone. It ain't and there. now if they, ha- if they have that exclusion on their policy, guess what they don't have? They still have physical damage coverage, so the tractor and trailer are covered if they don't get recovered. Uh, they're, they're covered, but you don't have cargo coverage. So it's very important that you know what that policy says regarding where can I park my truck. Am I okay if I park it on the street or at a truck stop, et cetera? That's real important to know because you don't want to be on the hook for sixty, eighty, dollars $100,000. That, 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 that will devastate you. So that's, that's huge, and I see that happen. A lot. The other thing too is, 
what what I find about cargo thieves is a cargo thief looks for a trailer that has a seal on the trailer door. They don't know what's in that trailer when they steal it. All they know is there's a seal on that door. That means there's cargo in it. So we're going to go ahead and steal that tractor and trailer. We're going to go somewhere where we feel safe, and we're going to pop that door open and see what's in it. So they don't usually ever, I've never found, I think only one time in, in 10 years, that they pop the door open before they steal it. Nope, they steal the tractor and trailer because they know there's cargo. They go somewhere safe. Then they pop the door, see what they got, and then they figure out what you're going to do. So if you have a seal on that trailer door, you need to safeguard that thing and be careful where you park it. And because these guys are all, it's, it's, it doesn't cost them anything to steal your, your tractor and trailer. And if it's an old Freightliner, they've got a jiggle key and they can get in there real easy. You know, and that's a, that's a great point. And a hundred bucks, you can, uh, there's a great product available that uh, locks your uh, yellow and, and red buttons so you can't release the brakes. Yep, and yep, anything, good idea. Anything, anything we can do, because, you know, most of these, most of these little dirt bags are lazy, so they're looking for something quick and easy, and if they've got to invest a lot of time in it, they're just really not that interested in getting caught and going back to prison. So if we can just make their life a little more difficult, hopefully they move on and go to the next guy. Well, and, and, and exactly yeah. right. And and I tell these guys all the time, uh, especially guys, you know, if you have, you've got an electronic fuel pump, which most of your drivers do now, is put a switch, a hand cutoff switch in the sleeper somewhere. Have your certified mechanic install it, so that when they go to, it'll fire up, but it's going to die out in about ten seconds because there's not going, the fuel pump's not going to work. It's a simple thing, costs you about two hundred bucks. They're not going to take the time to try and find that switch. And the chances of them separating the tractor from the trailer to steal the cargo to take all that time to do it is pretty slim. So you're, you're going to harden yourself against that theft. The other thing that's, re, that's a real easy thing to do, and, and I, I, I've got a lot of guys that have done it, they don't want to pay money for a tracking device. So what you do, this is real simple and it's easy. You go get a, 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 a recent cell phone that has GPS. You get the bare bones minimum plan that, that, that's out there. And it's one that allows you to track your phone where it's like you want to watch your kids where they're at. You take that phone and you hide it in the sleeper somewhere. You've got it hip to a 12-volt source so that you have power when you leave it there over the weekend. And if all of a sudden your truck goes missing, all you got to do is go to Verizon or Sprint, whoever's site that it is, to find your phone. And guess what? Wherever your phone is, that's where your truck is. And I can't tell you how many times... I know the guys that have taken my suggestion and done that, and they found their truck within 30 minutes. Or they've called the police and said, my truck just got stolen, and I'm watching it. It's going down the 15 freeway at 30 miles an hour, 80 miles, whatever it is. And, and law enforcement goes in, and they, they swoop in, and they get it. And it's just one of those things. It doesn't cost a lot of money, and you probably the plan for that phone is, you know, 20 bucks a month uh, because you're not going to use it to make phone calls. Um, and, and it's just one of those things to help make it so that if you are the victim of a theft, you can locate that tractor pretty quick. Because if you're a Johnny one truck and you got one truck and one trailer and your truck is missing for two, three, four weeks, and then, of course, when it comes back, it's missing the standard, all ten wheels and tires. It has four junky wheels and tires on the back, two on the front. They stole the seats. They, it, it, it's, you're going to be without a truck for a month and a half. And then plus you're going to have your deductible and betterment for the tires. It can be devastating. So 
You need to do whatever you can to harden yourself from being that victim. And if you are a victim, you need to do whatever you can to recover that tractor because that's your bread and butter as fast as you can. You know, you're absolutely right. And, and it's, uh, you know, like I say, that lock that I pack around, uh, I don't own the truck. I'm, I'm just a company driver. But it's, uh, right. it's worth $100 to me because oh, I don't want to lose my stuff. The, the truck is irrelevant, right. but it's all my stuff that's in it. And I'm just a neat freak, and I don't want some clown rooting around in my truck. Yeah. So it's uh, it's yeah it's it's true. It, go ahead. You know, whatever we can do to uh, to make a bad guy's life miserable, they'll they always they're all they're all lazy, and they all go after the low hanging fruit. And if it if you make your stuff more difficult to steal, they'll just go on to the next guy, ninety percent of the right. time. The other thing that, that I'd like to bring up is guys that op- operate uh, refrigerated vans. Um, cargo, cargo claims against refrigerated product is, is, happens quite often. Um, sometimes it's legit. Sometimes it isn't. You know, sometimes there's temp sensors in, in the product uh, in, in, in the, and it, that reads the whole time. And when they get there, of course, they look at the temp, make sure it's not over temp or under temp, et cetera. And, but you have to know in your policy also that covers refrigerated product is is there anything regarding maintenance a lot of companies have a, have a, have something in their policy that says you have to show um, maintenance receipts that that you've had maintenance done on that track on that refrigerated unit every 60 days now it could be something as simple as an oil change or check this or check that whatever but you got to have something in your records to make sure that you're covered in the case that you do have a, a cargo claim on on refrigerated product and it ha- it happens more than people you hear about. I had a guy that had a load of asparagus, and uh, he got to where he was going, and his his temperature temperature sending unit or uh, failed, and and it, it just cooked. His stuff got really hot, and he got there. And because he didn't have maintenance records, he was on the hook for seventy eight thousand dollars. It was his claim was denied. Wow. It shut him down. He he left the trucking business. Does it uh, does it do any good uh, to cover your butt? If uh, every time you're doing a vehicle check, just to snap a picture of of the uh, control panel giving the temperature, the set temperature, and the uh, uh, actual box temperature, does that do you any good? I, you know, down the yeah, road? I would say that it's, it's that certainly does, does doesn't hurt. But but then again, if you if you have a failure, an equipment failure after you took that picture, yeah. and you don't have those maintenance records. Now we all know that you can all of a sudden create them or get them. It, it ha- that happens all the time. Um, but if you want to be legit, you want you want to stay between the lines and, and be a professional and do the right thing. You're, you're gonna you bought that policy and your policy says you have to do this. Well then, get what? Guess what? Make sure you do that because you want to protect your investment. You want to protect that cargo for your customer, and you want to do the right thing. And and I, I see some trucks out there that you know, and I'm sure you see it all the time too. They shouldn't be on the road. I mean, it it happens. Um, but you want to. You're a businessman. If you're you're an owner operator, you are a businessman, and and you're 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 handling millions of dollars of cargo every year, millions. And you have to do the right thing, but you also have to protect yourself. And when you when that claim happens, when when you call the insurance company, say I need to make a claim. My truck got stolen. My trailer got stolen. My cargo got damaged. Whatever it is, 
make sure that you're in the position that you know that you did everything that you were supposed to do so that you're uh, in a good position that when you make that claim, so there are no questions. No, great, uh, great advice. Cause yeah, you know, insurance is, is uh, one of those things. It's like our brakes, you know, and <laughs> we don't really get all excited about it until it fails. Right. Yeah, it, 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 it's like, you know, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Same thing about insurance. Everybody wants, wants, to, wants to have it in case something happens, but nobody wants to pay for it. But it's one of those things. You've you got to have it, and, uh, and, and you've you got to make sure you, you – got to have a good insurance company. You know, talk to other people that have, have commercial uh, auto, you know, and, and cargo, and, and see what they like, you know, whether it's Canal or Great American or Northwest or Carolina Casualty. Well, you know, find out who likes what and who doesn't like what. And, and you know what? And, and don't reinvent the wheel. Find somebody that's had a claim before and got treated right, you know, and, and uh, that, that'll help to go a long way because, you know, there, there are, are good insurance companies, there are great insurance companies, and there's so-so insurance companies. You, you, you want one that's going to work for you because you, you want – you're paying – it's not cheap. You know that. It, you know, you probably the minimum a guy's paying is $800,000 a month. You know, it, it's not cheap, and you've you got to – you got to buy the good stuff, and but you got to know your policy, and you got to make sure you're insured for what you're driving. Well, and and when was the last time you heard of an insurance company going broke? <laughs> you know, it, it I haven't heard of it in a long time, but I know that there's some out there that are struggling. You know, I, I've seen that. You know, there's there's a uh, there's there's some that are having having some hard times, and uh, but but the bottom line is, it, it, what's that? I say generally, you know, they uh, uh, their goal is to not pay a claim, and 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 like you say, the best thing we can do is not give them a reason to deny the claim. Oh, absolutely. It, uh, it goes it goes hand in hand with uh, with my whole philosophy is don't give law enforcement a reason to stop you. Let them stop somebody yep. else. And with insurance, yep. and, and that's same, the whole thing. Is same thing. If you, if you do, if you do have a claim, just make sure all that your all your ducks are in that row they're supposed to be in. You know, you did you picked up where you're supposed to pick up. You it wasn't you know you did everything. The load was secured. Your reefer was working right. You did you did everything you were supposed to do, but something happened, and it, and it wasn't your fault. You know, there's an old saying: you stu- it's a good thing stupidity is insur- insurable because there's a lot of stupid things people do out there. Not just truck drivers. Everybody. It happens all the time. Well, so. Sure, and it's when it it's happens, be, be ready for it. Yep. No, great, uh, great stuff. Thank you very much. Yeah, All right, thanks, Dave, Dave. thank you so much. I hope that helped. Yes, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, it's always that was a lot of good information. Uh, a lot of it towards owner operators, which is you know awesome because I know we have owner operators listening to the show. But for the company drivers, uh, your company is going to take care of your insurance needs. You don't have to worry about that. The thing you do need to worry about is you want to make sure that you meet all the insurance requirements. So you want to ask questions about what's required of you on a high security load or any load for that matter so you don't violate any of the insurance um, policies. Sure, because, you know, as, as a company driver, we uh... – you know, we've got a, a vested interest because if our company doesn't succeed, we don't succeed. And it, uh, uh, I always look at it that uh, as, a, as a company driver, what can I do to make my carrier more profitable? Because if they're making money, 
I'm making money. So we, uh, you know, it's it's good to be mindful. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're driving for a big mega carrier, and uh, well, somebody else will worry about that. You know what? We can worry about that too as drivers, and it uh, it just helps them out. The profit margins are pretty thin on some of this stuff, and and uh, claims just come right off the bottom line, and it uh, it just costs everybody money. And it's pretty tough for you to uh, go in there and demand a raise when, uh, you know, your carrier has just paid out some horrendous claim costs for just, you know, driver neglect. Mm-hmm. A carrier I used to uh, drive for published their uh, accident and claim stats. And, uh, you know, gosh, there were some quarters, they were up to uh, 18, 19 cents a mile in just claim damage and claim costs. That's huge money. And, uh, you know, if they don't have to pay that out in, in claims, chances of us getting a raise are, uh, are a lot better. Right. So uh, since we're talking about cargo securement and cargo security. Uh, I'll go ahead and mention another show that we did uh, a ways back about cargo securement. If, if uh anybody hasn't listened and wants to go check it out. It was all about cargo securement in a van. Uh, I think the title was cargo securement. Is it really important in a van? So if you're a van driver, you're going to want to go check that out because we focus completely on van cargo securement in that episode. Um, What about, what if we focus a little bit more on let's say open deck uh, cargo securement uh, in tonight's episode? You bet. Uh, I had the, I pulled open deck uh, early on in my career, and uh, my philosophy was some's good, more is always better. Uh, the rule of thumb is uh, you need uh, two means of securement in the first 10 feet, and then one, uh, one method of securement uh, for every 10 feet uh, after that of freight. And uh, don't be afraid, you know, if, if the uh, load requires 10 tie-downs, don't be afraid to put 14 tie-downs on there. I, uh, I investigated a double fatal accident that uh, occurred simply because the driver used the bare minimum of tie-downs and uh, one tie-down failed and a piece of uh, a piece of pipe came off a load and, and two people died. So some's good, more is always better. And when things are slow and you're uh, you're out of shippers or you're out of receiver, uh, you're uh, taking your uh, your chains or your belts, putting them on the load or taking them off the load. Now is a perfect opportunity to inspect them for damage. And uh, if you go on uh, cbsa.org, the website, you can uh, look at uh, the cargo securement uh, PDF. And there's a formula for uh, if you're using the uh, uh, nylon web straps for uh, cuts and nicks and uh, I'm just a firm believer if it's got a cut in it, get rid of it. You know, they're not a lot of money. And 
it just never ceased to amaze me when I stopped somebody and uh, put them out of service for an improper tie-down. The guy would walk over to his toolbox, open the lid, and pull out a brand-new belt and throw it over and roll the old one up that's damaged and, and an out-of-service violation and put it back in, in the box. You know what? If it's garbage, it's garbage. Get rid of it. So, yeah, when you're, uh, when you're tying stuff down, make that inspection and anything that looks questionable, get rid of it, find something else. If you're using chains, what we're looking for is damaged links, stretched links, and I'll try and uh, I'll try and get some pictures, and uh, we'll put them up on Facebook of things to look for. But uh, yeah, anything that's damaged or stretched, um, it's it's a violation. It's CSA points. It's an out of service. Get rid of it. And again, a huge liability if you're involved in an accident and uh, you're using tie downs that aren't. Uh, aren't designed for what you're doing, uh, yeah, boy, you're hanging out a mile. Uh, we all saw the Facebook uh, pictures a little while ago of uh, a guy using uh, straps to uh, tie down a steel coil. Totally unacceptable. You know, make sure that uh, you're using the proper tools for the proper job. And uh, steel coils require steel chains and uh, also what we're looking for in chains is hooks you know make sure the hook isn't damaged uh, the pin is in good shape and there's an actual cotter key that's holding that pin on the clavis hook make sure that that's not damaged and uh, what we're securing to the trailer is also not been compromised or damaged because it's uh, you can have the best cargo securement uh, in the world, and if you're uh, tying on to something that's uh, damaged or designed to be used as an anchor point, yeah, the weakest link, and that's what's, uh, that's what's going to fail. So when we're loading stuff, if 10 is the bare minimum, you know what, live a little. Spring and put 12 or 13 on. Nobody is ever going to chastise you or fine you for going above and beyond. On that cargo securement uh, regulation, that's just the bare minimum and what is the least amount of tie-downs that's required. There's nothing staying, stating that you can't uh, use more. Uh, dunnage. Uh, on open deck is a problem and, and can be a concern. A lot of guys are hauling pipe and uh, the dunnage that they set the pipe on is uh, damaged or rotting or been compromised. Again, you know, get rid of it because you're, you're, uh, you're just setting yourself up to fail and, and that's the last thing we want to do. And it goes into... Uh, you know, your personal safety, too, uh, when you're loading or unloading and you're tying down. Uh, if uh, something fails uh, on the dunnage that your freight is sitting on, 
you're uh, you're in the line of fire and uh, could be in for a world of hurt. Uh, same goes with uh, if you've got somebody helping you uh, throw tie downs. Everybody should own a hard hat. And uh, when you're messing with open deck, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the shippers and receivers require you to have steel-toed boots and a hard hat. Some of them aren't that great in enforcing it, but you know what? Wear your hard hat, because if somebody throws a uh, a belt over and you get that D-ring in the noggin, when you come to and regain consciousness, you'll wish you heeded my warning and wore your hard hat. Uh, steel-toed boots, same thing. You know, I see guys in flip-flops out tying down loads just totally unacceptable because it's you know those are our body parts and uh, when I was on the job when we got done our uh, our briefing and got ready to hit the streets you know the rule was 10 fingers 10 toes that's what we went to work with and that's what we're going to come home with 10 fingers 10 toes same thing applies to us you know, when we're messing around in these yards, loading and unloading, it's important that we go home in the same condition we went to work in. Because, you know, you wind up hurt, and on workers' comp, it's the same money that you uh, that you make when you're out on the road. And, you know, it's just a world of hurt that, that we don't need to be in. So, yeah, your personal protection while you're, uh, while you're working in open deck is uh, is very important too. Uh, gloves, you know, make sure that uh, your hands are protected when we're throwing chains and, and messing with belts. And this time of year, you know, stuff gets encased in snow and ice and it's slippery, the ground's slippery. Be real careful and don't be in a hurry when you're tying this stuff down because it's you really need to, it takes all of your attention and all of your focus to make sure that we can get the stuff secured properly. Uh, I've got a great picture of uh, a truck on uh, Interstate 15. It's an open deck truck, no headache rack. And the back of the sleeper is just beat all to heck from load strikes. So, you know, the last thing I want to do when I'm going down the road is having the cargo come into the cab with me because things are fairly cozy in the cab of a truck without a piece of pipe or a piece of rebar or a lift of lumber. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're when you guys with open decks are tying stuff down that uh, it's it has to stay on the trailer where it was put when you left the shipper and. Uh, if you're not taking the time to properly secure it, properly tie it down, uh, it ain't going to be there when you uh, when you get to where you're going. Uh, another thing that we have to be very cognizant of, in the first 50 miles, prior to you hitting 50 miles after you leave a shipper, you must document a load check in your, uh, in your logbook that can come back and bite you in the butt if you don't do it. 
So you leave the shipper, you tie everything down, you snug everything up, you got the first 50 miles, stuff kind of settles down and, and vibrates into place where it's going to be. Before you hit that 50-mile mark, find a safe place, get off the road, tighten everything up, inspect everything, make sure nothing's moved, everything's right where you left it, and keep doing that. You know, it's uh, your next load check is uh, your next change of duty status. So uh, when I uh, when I hauled open deck, I uh, I did my first load check prior to my 50 miles, and then I'd go, you know, two hours down the road, find a safe place, get out, stretch my legs, and take a real good look, and keep tightening stuff up, and uh, checking to make sure that nothing's come loose. And you do that a couple of times, stuff's going to be exactly where you left it when you get to the other end and go to deliver it. I had a question about that, Nail. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's seen this, but I see flatbeds pull over on the side of the road, and I got the guys out with the big wrench or whatever they call it, tightening the straps. Uh, what is your advice on that? You know, I don't like to do stuff on the side of the highway. Um because that's just putting you in a real bad spot. You know, a rest area, if you can find it, or an exit ramp where the speeds are slower. And, yeah, when you've got that big bar in your hand, the uh, you have to be very careful that your footing is, uh, is good and you're not going to be slipping and sliding. Because, uh, yeah, when you're reefing on that bar, if something lets go and you've got improper footing or you're there in your flip-flops, you're either going to kiss the side of that trailer or eat the pavement, and neither one of those options are going to be very pleasant for you. So, you know, our personal safety is first and foremost in everything we do. Um, Yeah, make sure you're in a good location and uh, pay attention to your surroundings and and really watch watch the ground when uh, when you're out messing with your load. Because if you uh, if you slip and fall, you know you could be the only one. You know if you're if you're on an exit ramp and you take a header, you could be there quite a while before somebody somebody uh, knows that uh, that you're down and out. Uh, that brings me to kind of a funny story. It's kind of sad, but uh, make sure when you're out wandering around checking your load, you get your cell phone with you. Don't leave it in the truck. In case something happens to you, you need to be able to phone a friend. Uh, A story was related to me. Uh, A uh, gentleman went out to uh, load an excavator, and he pulled onto the job site, and uh, he had a a 10-foot wide trailer, so he had to to, uh, remove the over-dimensional sign from the back end of the trailer. So he gets out of the truck, puts his safety vest on, grabs his gloves. As he's walking down the uh, side of the trailer, uh, the trailer's on air ride, so he reaches in and uh, trips the switch to dump the air out of the trailer, walks around to the back of the trailer, and he reaches in, picks up his over-dimensional sign, and the air squats out of the trailer, and uh, the uh, bumper of the trailer, uh, the uh, beaver tails, 
comes down and pins his feet to the asphalt. He's in steel-toed boots, but he can't move. He's got the whole weight of the trailer pinning him to the ground. So he's waving frantically at anybody that will go by. And the highway maintenance guys finally uh, phoned the owner of the company and went, wow, Wes, you have got the friendliest driver in the whole world. We've been driving by there for the last two hours, and he waves, and he's so polite. And finally, Wes jumped into his pickup and drove out there and aired the trailer up and released his driver, and everybody had a good chuckle. But if uh, if he didn't have steel-toed boots on or the ground wasn't soft enough to, to uh, push his boots into the ground before the trailer kind of settled out, that could have... Uh, could have ended badly. So, yeah, let's just really be careful out there when we're uh, when we're doing stuff on the highway. Yeah, and uh, we have a question on the line about uh, securement and logging. We got Brian in okay. Kentucky. Hey, Brian, you're on the air. Hey, Brian. How are you hey, doing, Hey, how are you guys doing? It's, it's nice to finally get through. Usually about the second or two before you, uh, anybody turns and lets me come on air, I, I get dropped by the automated phone system. So this is nice. Congratulations. Um, I have a question. Uh, I, I run a uh, – I'm currently leasing a truck, and it's for a medium-sized company that runs e-logs. And I do my load checks and everything, and I'm – very diligent and all that stuff but uh basically my question is with with dot is there a way that they can see that i did flag a low check even though it isn't showing up per se on the grass because it seems to be that if i don't stop and actually sit there for for a full five or six minutes I get out, check everything, and everything happens to be tight, and it only takes me three minutes to do this circle around the truck with my uh, my load bar. I get back in and I go. It flips me back over to the drive line, and later in the day, I'm not seeing those load checks. Is that something where I need to start slowing down and making sure it shows up, or does DOT have a way to kind of be able to yeah. see that I actually hit buttons and you know, it's, uh, no, they're really, yeah, unless it's on the graph, it didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that seems to be, and thank you very much for calling in and bringing it up. That's kind of a quirk with uh, uh, one particular system that I know of. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, happening with everybody's, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of a software glitch, and when inadvertently when they set the program up for your carrier uh, there's some of those parameters that are adjustable so they can set it for you know three minutes five minutes six minutes Um, yeah when uh, if you're pulling open deck I would really just take my time wandering around and make sure that it does uh, show on a line that you did stop and go on duty not driving so that you can prove your load check. Because if things go sideways, um, 
there's just no way to go in there. And uh, if it doesn't record it, then as far as the uh, e-log is concerned, it didn't happen. So he should like take five, five to seven minutes maybe to make sure that that it gets logged before he takes off again. You know, if it's yeah, uh, if you can watch your, uh, uh, you know, your screen and make sure it shows up as soon as it does that, then you can go. But yeah, I I would uh, yeah just make sure that it it does show it because that's uh, that's the only way you've got to cover yourself. Uh, on that. Yeah, and I would bring it up with uh, yeah, your company too, Brian. Um, just doing that, maybe there's something that they can do to fix it, or maybe they can change uh, electronic log, you know, suppliers, because they don't want to get in trouble for yeah. that either. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a great point. You know, I would bring that up, Brian, with your safety and compliance department, and just let them know that that's kind of a quirk in there, because you can't be the only driver that that's happening too and uh yeah if they can adjust the parameters so that it uh you know it'll capture those three and four minute uh load checks because you're right if uh you know if you've uh if you've got a load on the deck for a day or two you know the first half a day things kind of settle into place and and after that nothing moves so it really just becomes kind of a moot point. You walk around and and have a quick look and kick the tires and make sure everything's exactly where you left it. And you know you can certainly do that in in uh, under five minutes and be back out on the road. And lo and behold, it uh, it doesn't capture it. And yeah, now you're in trouble. So great uh, great question. And yeah, I I'd bring that up and see if they can't tweak that. Yeah, and but in uh, the meantime. In the meantime, just make sure that it does, you know, go down and uh, and capture that event. Right. Yeah. Make sure you you're stopped long enough. And one quick thing, uh, one of our uh, Trucking 101 members wanted to make sure that we said was, it's uh you you can correct me if it's wrong. He said that it's uh 50 miles for your first uh, cargo check and 150 miles or three hours, whichever comes first. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I uh, I found three kind of a kind of a stretch, but you know that's uh, you know that's that's kind of what's required. But you're uh, something to check in with your carrier too, because I know there's some carriers that want them done every two hours. And right. uh, company policy, if it uh, exceeds what's uh, what's required that uh, that kind of trumps things but uh yeah for uh you know the first uh, the first little bit once you've got it on the trailer i uh every couple hours i like to uh until everything's settled in um, i like to make sure that uh everything's right where i left it Okay, uh, we're pretty much out of time, but there is one more question that I wanted to get answered. Just want just want to take a couple minutes to talk about it. It's the uh, it's the bridge law. I'm gonna let Russ ask the question since he's the one that brought it up. Hey Russ, you're on the air. Hey Russ. Um, I think he just dropped. Okay, so I'll ask the question because Russ's call just dropped. Um. It was, 
where do they measure on the um on the on the trailer the truck and trailer for the bridge law can you just explain the bridge law really quickly uh so people uh understand it sure the uh under the uh, federal regulation they uh they measure the spacing between the uh the center of the front axle to the center of the rear uh axle or rearmost axle um, Canada we go to the center of the axle group because we kind of give you the benefit of the doubt but uh, some of the states kind of have goofy bridge laws um, but if you go on to uh, the federal highway uh, uh, federal highway administration uh, they've got uh, a graph and uh, kind of an explanation on uh, on the federal bridge law. But uh, if you're out in uh, some of the counties and some of the states, they'll have uh, uh, a different formula. But generally, it's from the center of the uh, center of the steer axle to the uh, center of the rear axle. Center of the steer axle or the is it the center of the drive axle? Well, the uh, the overall the overall uh, uh, measurement is the uh, and again it goes through uh, uh, a bunch of formulas, but it's uh, it's the distance from the uh, middle of the steer axle to the middle of the uh, rearmost trailer axle, and then uh, some states will measure from. Uh, you know they they don't care about the steer axle. They go from the uh, center of the first axle, first drive axle, to the center of the rearmost trailer axle. And then California, just to be different, to be difficult, and I can speak from experience on this because I got a ticket. It's from the kingpin to the center of the rear axle on the trailer cannot be greater than 40 feet. Right. So for those of you coming into the Republic of California, the People's Republic of California, that's something to be really be aware of because I got caught and it's $135 and I'll speak from experience. Yeah, uh, South Carolina too. Uh, we got a ticket in South Carolina. I think they're 41 feet in South Carolina, but yeah, yeah apparently they're yeah. on the lookout. Every- you know, and everybody else is, is usually pretty flexible, and, and the rule of thumb is it's 41 feet from the kingpin to the uh, to the center of the axle group. But everybody decides to get quirky and get difficult. But, yeah, uh, yeah jump onto the, uh, the uh, FMCA's CSA's website, and uh, it's freight management and operations. We'll... Uh, We'll give you the truck size and uh, weight scale and where they measure from everything. But uh, again, some of the states trump the fed, the feds, and uh, come up with their own goofy interpretations. Right, and them, it's also in the, the Rem- atlas too. If you look in the front under yeah. uh, bridge, what is it? I forget what the page is called. Uh, yes. And let me see if I've got mine handy here. 
It is Oh dear. Well, anyways, it's in the front, and you'll see it. It's got a whole long list of each state and what they require. Uh, you, you can't miss it. It's pretty easy to find. Um, but, yeah, uh, and that Rand, Mc, that Rand McNally Atlas is just a great resource for uh, uh, for stuff. Yep. Okay, thanks very much, Dale. Uh, that was an awesome show. We appreciate you coming on and doing the show with us tonight. Thank you so very much. And, uh, yeah, please, everybody be careful and be safe out there for the holidays. And uh, all the best to everybody. And Merry Christmas. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. We have another question, so I'm, I'm not going to hang up until we get this question answered. So let's bring on Leo. Hi, Leo. You're on the air. Hi, guys. Uh, hey, Leo. Merry Christmas. How are you doing, Sarah? Merry Christmas. Uh, I just want to mention, thank you. I want to mention this one of the uh, uh, regarding the gentleman that asked the, he would walk around the uh, his load for three minutes and it would wouldn't register on the. I believe he's using the quaco from one of the uh, big uh, flatbed companies out of Nashville. I won't mention the name unless you want me to mention. And the settings are that. At least you have to spend five minutes on the status to to register. Even if he's driving, if you stop before the five minutes, four, three, or two minutes, and you change the status, it won't register. Um, and also happened with another company that you have to spend at least 31 minutes for the 30 minutes, 30 minute breaks. I don't know if it goes by seconds, but the Qualcomm system system won't register unless. Uh, Unless you do 31 minutes, I guess it goes by seconds. And my question is, what's the name of the lock that you mentioned for you for the release buttons? Sure, I, it's uh, uh, Warlock. Uh, oh, Warlock. Makes, uh, they make one of the products, and uh, mine is uh, the truck brake lock, and it's available at www. Sureplus. Dot com and uh, oh. yeah it's less it's less than a hundred dollars and uh, it uh, just snaps over the uh, over the buttons and uh, just makes things a lot harder to steal yes sir I will get it what's the name again uh, uh, warlock builds the product and uh, oh, and uh, sure plus Oh, thank you so much. Okay, thank uh, you. Iowa 80. Uh, yeah, a shameless plug to uh, Iowa 80. Uh, they've got them. Uh, you can order them online. Uh, great product. I, I really love mine. Yeah, there's a, there's another company that also makes one. Um, I can't remember the name, but it's 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 uh, Landstar has two different types of of locks that they offer during orientation. One is the Warlock, and and the other is this one that I can't remember. I'll, I'll look it up and I'll post it on the page. Um, but uh, yeah, so I believe we got all the questions answered. So thank you very much, Dale, and Merry Christmas. Thank you so very much. And yeah, everybody stay safe and uh, 
to uh, coin Kevin's phrase, stay profitable, and I'll throw in there, stay compliant. Mary. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, just want to close out the show. I want to tell everybody to go check out our Facebook page. You can like our page and ask questions there. It's Trucking 101 on Audio Road, so go check that out and give us a like. And if you are an experienced driver, please share our podcast with new drivers. There is a pinned post on top of the Facebook page, which I just mentioned, Trucking 101 on Audio Road. Please help us get the word out. You can also, rest, you can also reach us through Let's Truck, 855-800-FUEL, or email support at Let's Truck. We would like to tell you about our other podcasts, Rolling Toe, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, with Mike and Kevin Beckett, Trucking with Authority with host Kenny Long, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Race and Lanes with Rico Muhammad, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Destination Health, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern with Kim Cockerham and Kevin Rutherford. And lastly, a quote from one of our favorite best-selling authors, Larry Wint, do what you do enough to become excellent at it, otherwise you don't. And next week's show falls in between Christmas and New Year's, so we're not going to do that show. Everybody enjoy time with your families and have a great Christmas and a happy New Year.